0: Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. So hey, everybody, welcome back to Business Black Belts. I'm excited today to have Ryan Dahlgaard, who is the president and owner of The Filter Shop in Omaha, Nebraska. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Oh, man, I appreciate it. Thank you, Miles. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, so just to start, I like to ask an easy question. Uh, who are you and you know, who are you guys at the filter shop?
1: That sounds easy enough. Um, well, who am I? Uh, I live in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, married, uh, two grown girls, um, both out in the work world now. So we're kind of empty nesters, um, career wise who, I guess you want me to go down that road. You want enter mm-hmm. into that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah.
1: Started out at, uh, you know, got out of school. I uh, went to Northwest Missouri State, little Division II school. Met my wife there. Um, honestly, I didn't go to school to get educated. So it was uh, it was more one of those things that I just kind of did. And uh, got in the Navy after I realized I need to kind of I need to pay for this myself. So I was set on getting my degree. Um, five years later, got it, and uh, kind of moved forward from there. I was going to go out and rock the world, like I think everybody else does, and uh, got into wireless. Very early stages, '93. Um, like it was a really, really high end game at that time. Loved it, loved it. Um, rode that out for about twelve years. It kinda got to the point where now you enter in a little bit more of where maybe I'm getting lost in what you're looking for straight, but it, it was more of what I call a God story to a large extent of when I'm thirty five figuring out that I'm I can't keep working for just the dollar. And I was doing really well, but it was eating at my soul. I was being kind of torn apart if, with, if you will. Um, yeah. Um, started this little company called The Filter Shop. There's a lot in between there, obviously, but uh, we started from scratch, nothing going on. And you know, I think I mentioned this later maybe, but I got to say it. One thing that drove me really hard was my wife. Um, and uh, she told me she'd eat peanut butter and jelly. So I'm I emptied the bank accounts. I emptied the 401k. I emptied everything that, and started this thing from scratch. And, yeah, now we're now we're at a whole nother level. So, two locations, 32 employees, and uh, just it's it's fantastic. and yeah, a lot of lessons along the way.
0: Yeah, and I, and I want to dig into one you mentioned a second ago. So, when you were in the wireless space, you mentioned eating at your soul. Uh, I know making money in and of itself isn't really a good or bad thing. It's probably more how you think about it, but what was eating at your soul like in that time? And like, I'm sure that was hard to walk away from the conventional success you were having.
1: Yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a big life moment change for me. It was more just, and I honestly mean it was God telling me to stop searching for money. Um, I had, I was doing very well. I don't know how else to say that. Um, short of given numbers, but my wife basically wanted to leave me. Uh, like, why? You have everything you want. And she's like, well, I don't have you. And uh, it's that real story. And it's a short version, but uh, the kids don't know you. You're never here. You're always gone. Um, I had just given up a vacation because I was told we're going to go through a merger. And I said, okay, I'll I'll cancel the vacation. So that was kind of the start of uh, what I would just say a not a not a great time. Um, and the idea that I needed to make more, needed to make more. I think it was falling into a self worth thing. I, I felt better when I was landing these good checks. Um, and I got to the point where my my CEO, who I knew well, because I was running a great group, if you will, here out of Omaha. Um, when I gave my notice, and I. It, I really want everyone to know that this is, this isn't, you you work hard to get that kind of stuff. And sometimes you give things up in order to get it. Um, My CEO told me a heck of a story and it just stuck with me. um, How many marriages he had been through, what he had done. And, and the reality is he goes, Ryan, I'm, I'm willing to pay you this obscene amount of money to stay for six more months. And I said, I can't. And, you know, at that point he was like, and I respect this guy a lot, but he said, "I I, uh, I respect you for that. You're the only person to not take me up on that deal hmm. of his whole of the whole thing." And uh, so I, you know, the short of it is, I I took a little break. We bought a camper, uh, a, a big mobile home thing, and <laughs> I took the family out camping for a while, uh, for probably about a month, and uh, just what I would call detoxed um, away from that mindset. Uh, at the same time we found uh, a church to go to, had not been to one really knew the background of it, but, um, and then had a friend that told me the story about the filter shop and his, his goal. And I said, let's in short, I said, let's do it. Um, so that didn't last long with him, not less than a year and, uh, bought that out, but yeah, a lot of moving, a lot of, a lot of changing around. And, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and so for you, your, your personal, maybe like movement back to faith in God or really trying to live that out came after you left. So what was it really just the pragmatic conviction of like, I just can't do this to my family. Like I just money has become such a per, like preeminent thing more than even like a religious conviction at that time.
1: Oh, no, not at all a religious conviction. I wouldn't go, it's, you know, it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it, the thing is I'm really involved with a lot of men and a lot of business owners around town. I search out mentorships. Um, I mentor a lot of young guys, mm-hmm. um, just the sociological aspect of it. I, I love that part. It goes you, you almost sell yourself because you, you, you think I've done so good or, and I need or I need more, I need more. I got to get that jet airplane or I got to get that second house up in the mountains, whatever. And it's, it's sort of letting that go, if you will. Um, you know, it, it drove me to a new mantra. You're know, I if I've learned a lot about myself, it's more of, it's so much more good to help other people. Um, and not, myself Uh, i know that sounds weird but you understand my drive is the same as it always been just drive i got a drive that that doesn't want to quit um but man you do so well when you help enough people and you do it for the right reasons you come to find out that you've and i've done better than i did before when i was searching just for myself does that make sense
0: Mm -hmm. yeah no it's funny i've uh I'm 29, so I'm kind of a, a little earlier in the entrepreneurial journey. Um, but I had this thought. So I, I was um, getting a lot of engagement on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. the social media platform. And people reached out to me and were saying, you know, you're changing my life with your content. So I thought, at this time, I was 25. I thought, I can't not go try to be an entrepreneur because I'm never going to want to take this risk later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I started, like you said, I had one customer that was paying me um six thousand dollars a month so with taxes and everything it's pretty small business and uh it was funny i remember at the time thinking if i could only get a second customer i'd forever be happy and four years later i think we're up to i don't know like 110 customers or something and you're right i constantly have that mindset creep of it all could be over tomorrow or have to get more or have to like it and you realize it's much more mindset than it is reality um and i totally agree with you i see you see so many people just trying to level up financially and what happens is every time they do that now they're at a nicer golf course or a different car dealership they're surrounded by yeah. a bunch more people that are still 10 levels ahead of them that are yeah. at the other end of the same bracket all the way till you get to warren buffett and jeff bezos um so i i think it, it's really telling and when you started the filter shop, so it sounds like you really have built that business on generosity to employees and customers. Like, do you want to talk through what that's been like? Just that shift in your mindset, how it's played out as a like as a business owner?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, um, yeah, we started out in an eight hundred square foot building with nothing. You know, not a couple part time employees. Um, my version was that, man, I just enjoy coming to work. It, I think you asked, we talked one time about a, uh, uh, what was my vision on day one? Um, it was, how do I get to day two? <laughs> how do I get to the second week or the third week? You know, business, most businesses that start up fail in the first year. Um, you know, we, I remember being excited. You made a comment about the second employee. I am going, man, when I get to a million dollars, we, no, I had no clue. It's, we were still weren't profitable. Um, uh, it took me several years to be profitable um but the the release for me and I'll go back to that I, I have a tendency to, to waggle off a trail so hmm. it's it's the matter of you know what am I doing why am I doing it and and how far am I willing to take it and that was in, in the version when I say when God says let money go it's okay I, I, I got a second mortgage it I it takes a lot of money you know it's it was quite a bit of money to start up uh, this place um, because you have to have inventory and inventory is the only thing that works. I mean, filters is not an elaborate business. People don't get excited about filters. I never dreamed, Oh, let's go start a filter company. Uh, the reality it's a multi-billion dollar business, multi-billion dollar business and they go to work through distributors. So um, as I built that up and I've learning that, man, the only way I'm going to get there, it ain't because of me at all. I mean, I I, I literally mean, at this point, I could walk away from this and these guys would know how to run it. I'm a key part of it, but I don't need to be the essential part of it. My leaders are the essential part. Their team is the essential part. Work that down. Let those guys run and they know what's going on on a day-to-day basis. Um, I need to be there to support them when they come and say, hey, we need to get this done or we need to fix this or we can go this route. What do you want to do with it? And, and then that's my job to go for it so they can get their jobs done. Um, I don't micromanage, I empower. That's just the way it runs. So, shut moved five times in eight years. Um, uh, the first <laughs> For the first group, we're in a 20,000 square foot facility. Uh, and in two months, we are moving into a 30,000 square foot facility. And about four and a half years ago, I opened Des Moines. So I have the second state now. And uh, that one is growing infinitely faster than Omaha did, and uh, it's amazing to watch. But uh, the team up there is just fantastic, and we're moving them into a now fourteen thousand to a twenty-five thousand square foot facility at the same time as doing this. So I like to put a lot of pressure on myself and move two locations at the same time.
0: Um, yeah, that sounds like a lot of moving parts. Now, how does when you're in? A, I'm so curious when you're in a commodity space. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, where there's price competition, like you're re- replacing incumbents. It's like, how have you found ways to differentiate from a sales and marketing perspective to break through that noise repeatedly when you're in a, such a competitive business?
1: Oh, yeah. And it is. There's I have six, six competitors in this market alone. Um, mm-hmm. We're by far the top one. I say that with a lot of uh, pride with my team. Um, just so you know, it's it, it's amazing and humbling to a large extent. You get um, customer service, Miles, is mm-hmm. all that matters. I don't even want to say that. It's my secret sauce, and it's not even secret. Um, mm-hmm. We we thrive on, a, everyone in my uh, company reads a book called Rating Fans. Um, mm-hmm. If you've heard about it, Ken Blanchard. Um, it's a very, very simple, simple customer service story. Uh, it, it's It's laid out like a, like a fun story, not a business model, but, um, when people who, who use filters, they're used to, it's just a filter who gives a head. you know, they don't, nobody cares. And that's throughout the, the country. Um, I would say this too, that I've taken it a step further. I, I'm really proud of this, but I've, I've even put together a peer group. Um, this is our 15th year of all presidents across the country, all in my business from East coast to West coast. There's nine of us about to be 10. Uh, people now want to apply to get into this group, but it's the idea and we're all the same. It's over the top customer service that takes it to the next level. Cause people who are dealing in filters look at it and go, it's just a filter who cares, but we do. I don't care if it's taking it out to their van for the texts that are coming in. Uh, if someone wants filters drink COVID. We overstocked. We went out and talked to our manufacturers. We we filled our warehouses up um, because people aren't getting product right now. You hear that all over the place. Um, all the way back to just simply, you want it in a, a week. I'll, I'll get it to you in four days. Um, little little stuff like that. Easy billing, you know. Easy way to get an order place with us. We have one of the only online filter ordering systems for current customer base. I'm not talking about a web based thing. I'm talking about a secure online. Uh, aspect where they get to go in and order their filters and keep track of them. Um, it's pretty extensive. I love it. But all those little things that prior to me coming in never happened in this industry. And now there's this group of people around the country. We're all doing that model and it's, we're getting a lot of notice now. So it's pretty cool from that side.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a great point because so many times like people think if you're in like Facebook or Instagram's business, you can have a really unique customer model, but everyone else has just succumbed to the status quo. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, there's more opportunity to compete in legacy businesses in a non-legacy way than anyone realizes.
1: I had a. Yeah. I love this. I love this story. The last summer I had a, again, commodity based. I get it. It's, It's low end. I have, we deal in, we sell tens and tens of thousands of two inch pleats, right? That's just one avenue of business. There's so much more, but I had a a very, very large mechanical contractor come to me and say, Hey, your competition just came to me and said that they would sell much cheaper than you and and showed it to me and actually said the filter shop on it. And I was, I was pretty proud of that. I, I like that stuff. And, and he said, I kind of wrinkled it up and threw it threw it at him and said, this isn't selling. He goes, you need to go sell like the filter shop does. And, and he quote, this is the president, big company. And he goes, I pay more for them for a reason. And, you know, I, I make sure to get out and tell my team that. I want them to know that this is why we are doing this. We're not the cheapest. We are, and we are a commodity. Most people want to go to town saying, it's hey, I can sell this a dollar cheaper or whatever. It's and it'll save you thousands of dollars, but the inconvenience of just shipping and delivering and billing and all the stuff that we focus on and my team focuses on is what's taken us from, I mean, we're the little guy. Our, my, my competitors have been around for 40, 50 years. And, and I say this, I mean, just as humble as I can, it's if we do it differently, we've grown to, we're now at least triple the size of most of these guys are mm-hmm. uh, in the Midwest.
0: So, yeah, it's something to be proud of. Now, how much, so you mentioned Ken Blanchard, how much has reading influenced your journey? Like, do you read a lot? Are there other books you'd recommend? Like, it seems like you're very educated on this stuff.
1: Oh, no, I just love customer service. I love business. I love the little things and I love to talk about it. Um, I mean, in this period, there's so much, I feel like I'm leaving out, you know, it's the the stuff that excites me. But, uh, Books are, have become a bigger part, Miles, It's not, my wife used to say I'm functionally illiterate, which means, you know, I don't read too much after high school or college. So it was, uh, but, you know, I, a few books that have really influenced my life is like Max Lucado wrote Anxious for Nothing. And it, there's, a, there's a lot of people in my world, entrepreneurs, business guys that, that do battle depression. And I know it's bigger right now, but, you know, for me, that was a big book for me at the time. Um, as I wander around and go, listen, it isn't about money. It isn't about anything else. It's about people. And I, that's all God talked about. It's just about people, love people, help people, um, at my business books, man. I, I, I love a lot of stuff. Um, I just forgot his name, but the new, the new gold standard is the Ritz Carlton model for customer service. Um, mean, they, they set the standard and you're going, why would I want to go pay that kind of money? Most people can't. Um, but it set them to such an elite level that it that that's the kind of customer service that the filter shop does, right? Right there. It, it isn't just the raving fans. It's that that gold standard of what what are we doing to help you out, Mr. Customer, um, to where you'll use us every single time you want to you need to come back. Um, so yeah, books have played a bigger role. I, I have several. I use Audible. To be honest with you. I can I can't sit and turn the page thing very well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I feel you, especially with how busy you are. And uh, and you bring up a great point. So Horst Schultz, the COO, I think, or one of the founders of the Ritz-Carlton, is actually a strong Christian. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of that desire to, uh, to live out how they served customers <clears throat> yeah. probably comes from a similar place to you and I. Um, so another question I have for you is, as you think about legacy, I'm fascinated by this idea of quantitative metrics are very easy to move towards and feel good about, et cetera. So 32 employees, two markets, more square feet, more logos, more. Whereas when you think about your legacy and the soft stuff, like an employee getting eight years of service at your company and loving every minute of it, or your wife being grateful for the type of husband you are, how are you thinking about both your legacy and how you're measuring? The ways you're getting towards it when you yourself mentioned the quantitative stuff is less important than the qualitative stuff
1: yeah i've been challenged by that a lot lately um with with several guys that i'm at and what's it like to leave a legacy what's it like to live a, a life um worth you know telling people about if you will um and that has to come from my my just a deep desire to have a relationship with jesus and have, understand that it, it's and it's so confusing to some people and you know like even now i like give me the right words give me the right things to say you know i just i want to trust and not be afraid and he says that um i struggle it's it's hard sometimes it it is not an easy walk um if anything it might be harder um but the, the short of it is is that legacy i think means when when i have an employee that it's just i mean i i move them from omaha i move move them up to another state, their family, and they're thanking me for what I've been able to do for them. And what are your goals? And I'm asking them. that. I go, let's get you to your goals. What do you want to do? I want to, I want to open a bed and breakfast with my wife. And I'm like, let's start it. Let's get it going. What does it look like to do that? I, I, I thrill in that part. Um, the, the cool part is is that I think most people forget is that, man, you really got someone who wants to be a part of this now. They're so engaged. And it's not hard. It's it's fun. I, I can't wait to hear his next story and what he's doing um, down to the guy in my warehouse. I mean, I need these people. We have very little turnover right now, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, and, and I want to say it isn't just because we we raised pay way before COVID. Hit. Uh, I don't I don't want to say we just offer these certain benefits or perks. I want to say it's the culture and they know that they're they're cared for, they're loved, they're respected. Um, I mean, you get a bunch of guys and I hope I can say this in the right way, but who work in a warehouse, it's a different breed of people and I need these people and they, I hope they need me and we work together because they're so respected, they're so good at what they do. It just, it ignites my passion. So if I want to leave that legacy, it's, it's being able to say, I don't know, I'm at my funeral. Right. And all my employees want to come, um, and, and say, man, he did this or he did this, but Um, And I just want to flip that back to God gave me that ability. And if I don't use it, then I'm, I'm abusing it only for myself and that no one will be at my funeral. If I really think that that's a big deal, (laughs) right? So uh, that, that legacy is on the work side or, or my wife, you know, being able to say I was a good, a good husband, you know, uh, my kids saying I was a good dad, um, even when they got older and moved away and they still want to come home and see us. Uh, that's a, that's a simple legacy. I don't need, I don't need more than that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. it's a, it's a great example. And I, I love doing this show because you meet sort of people with the same values as me. Like I meet someone like you has the same values as me, but was living them out at a different stage of life. And it's uh it's helpful to know, even at, in my twenties, like, what am I actually chasing? Mm-hmm. Because you're right. I think one of the biggest things I've noticed is that Perspective becomes much more about service, generosity, legacy as time goes on, whereas a lot of times early on, it's what can I get? And I think like you said, the sooner you can say, how can I serve? What can I give? You know, Why am I here? Those kind of questions. Um, it's so cool to see it come full circle that if you do that, you end up getting what you need so much more than money. And yeah. money becomes a byproduct, ironically, that's more than you'd have. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a very cool story.
1: Um, but it's great to have. It's fun yeah. to have. I mean, but you can do a lot of great things with it, you know, um, not just helping people. I mean, up to be honest, God doesn't need my money. He doesn't need anything. He gives me talents. I have to go work. I got to put the effort in. And, and I'm telling you, once you do that, you, you, you can move to another level. You can do other stuff. Um, and, uh, it, I enjoy it. I, I love watching the way that we've grown, you know, and, and you talk about the filter shop I and mean, we've been every, we've never, ever had a down year. Never. In 17 years, not once wow. did we drop. It, it's a, it's a crazy scenario. It's just a straight up uphill climb, if you will. Um, but my RT group, this thing together. I mean, I want to tell people that success is, can, can create its own. You've interviewed people. I've listened to your stuff that, you know, that are doing you know, 10 times more than what we're doing um, in terms of money. And um, you can make things. I didn't think it would ever get to this point. And we're we're, we're pretty successful. But it, I, I, the friends that I've had have said things like, this is difficult. I, I don't know how to handle doing 20 million. I don't know how to handle doing, what does this mean? You know, then, then you're getting into your leadership books and saying, maybe it's time you find somebody to come in and run it maybe it's time you find somebody to come in and do the sales part or come in and, you know, what are you going to take off your plate for that next step? Um, and that's just what you get by surrounding yourself with a bunch of people that will, that you can take advice from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. And speaking of, I wanted to ask you, so I know you mentor a lot of people. Um, you're certainly open to connecting with whether it's future customers or employees. Is there a universal way to reach you like LinkedIn that's um, – Kind of okay if someone heard this and wanted to reach out to you. Or how do you normally take those
1: requests? Um, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Ryan Ryan Dahlgaard. Uh, the Filter Shop is on there too. Mm-hmm. I don't do social media. Um, okay. There's a story to it, but I don't I don't stick to social media. So other than that, it would just be honestly email. Okay. Um, Ryan at thefiltershopinc.com
0: perfect. Well, so Ryan at the Um we greatly enjoyed having you on. I um yeah, I do a lot of these as you know. I think we're up to almost 100 this year and uh I think your spirit of generosity and how you've integrated faith uh is very unique out of all the ones we do. So I, I appreciate you sharing it and certainly um as someone who's trying to do the same thing, I I was inspired and learned a lot. So we Look forward to having you back on when it's ten locations. And you've got ten building moves in a couple of years, but for now, we uh, wish you the best with that. Look forward to keeping in touch.
1: Miles, I appreciate it. Thanks for the thanks for inviting me on. Thanks
0: again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.